Good afternoon, folks. My name is Derek. This is the Freedom Warrior Podcast coming at you on a slightly rainy Tuesday afternoon. The thunderstorms passing through. They seem to have run their course this afternoon, uh, but I just want to get at you and get right into it with a new episode today about leftism and it requiring problems to exist. So rather than, you know, like look at the Tea Party movement or you look at, you know, conservatives throughout the years and the various movements they've had where they're very topical, it's a very, it's just a very precise thing that I have a, a disagreement about with you politically speaking. Say, you know, I really hate these astronomically high tax rates. You know, I'd like to have more of my money. Uh, I really can't stand this Obamacare stuff. You know, things that I have a, a proposition, we can debate it politically speaking, but I have a actual issue here. Um, most liberals, most lefties, if, if you look at the news lately, are more in the outrage mode, very little, um, you know, issue-oriented type of conversations taking place. They're more concerned about baby Trump blimps. They're more concerned about Russia. Um, they're more concerned about just, you know, smearing every candidate who gets uh, nominated for a position in the Trump administration or even to places like the uh, Supreme Court. You know, they're, they're very, there's very few issues for them that they actually want to talk about. They want to talk about their outrage. Now, I just want to uh, touch on some things when they do get into issues, why lefties only want the issues to continue. They have no interest in the issues actually ending. Uh, so, you know, they'll pick at old wounds if it offers them a chance to relitigate the past, it's their version of a like a political money tree. They just rewater it and then hope to reap, you know, its fruits constantly over and over and over. So, you know, you could look at a lot of different issues, but you know, think of uh, I don't know the struggles of African Americans. I mean, they weren't even on their uh, team for the vast majority of the history I mean that's why Republicans were invented uh, was to combat slavery so I mean it, it's pretty interesting there that whole history that liberals love to just kind of forget about but anyway um, you know like they'll go into and, and pick at scabs I mean it, it, I'm looking back like back early 2000s think about the time the Chappelle show was coming out you know people were pretty close knit. I mean, 9/11 had just happened. I remember seeing a lot of different stand-up comedians, uh, African American stand-up comedians joking about how like they were basically one, you know, with white people at this point because geez, we are under attack. At least we got a common enemy right now. Like, wow, like, you know, hey man, we got our issues, but look, we're on the same team. We're all Americans, you know. And uh Chappelle was actually able to, you know, make light of racial differences and things like that. You can't do that now because lefties have already picked at the scabs. They've rubbed them raw, and I'll get to that later. Um, but 
you know, lefties try and plant new outrage trees all of the time. They're little money trees. They're little money outrage trees, uh, knowing they can use the same strategy. So the LGBT, you know, just immigrants, like the whole border issue, uh, women, even though they're not a minority, they, you know, are susceptible to these kind of tactics. Maybe the uh, estrogen, I don't know. But the point is, they tried to, uh, you know, divide women from, from men. They try to divide Muslims from everybody else, Hispanics etc. Just go down the, uh, the intersectional, you know, line of, uh, of people that Democrats are trying to, uh, placate. And, you know, the further they portray these groups as oppressed victims, the more the leaves will grow on the money trees. So the more you can make and, and basically expand that umbrella of victimization, this op- these oppressed victims who all fit under this umbrella, that's that many more people who fit that exact little mini category or big category in some cases, like women, um, the more that the leaves are going to grow in that tree and they will reap the rewards politically, politically, folks. So I'll use another analogy. The winds that propelled the Democrats' political sales are all of the problems needing solutions. But they aren't just any problems. There are these very divisive, um, you know, intersectional type of problems, social justice type of problems. They, they are not interested in things just getting better. Like a harmonious America is the absolute worst case scenario for the Democratic Party. The worst case scenario. Because how, how are you going to get the black vote now? Because you haven't told black people that white people are going to put them in chains. You, you can't get the women voters because they're not, you know, the Republicans aren't, you know, misogynists and all these horrible things you've called them. Uh, they, they need this chaos. I'm trying to explain this to people who are maybe in the line, uh, you know, in the middle of the road, kind of see a lot of crazy things happening right now and think, oh, well, you know, I guess I don't want to be on team misogynists and team you know, haters, bigots, all these things. I'm telling you, most people on the right are not that way. Most of them are pretty reasonable, rational people, just like people on the left. Most of them are. I'm not saying all of them are. Trust me, a good chunk of them are not. And I'm talking left and right, but definitely right now the left is more outraged. Um, it's pretty clear to see. But, you know, they've they've baked in an incentive for these problems to never get solved. Now, let me run down the list for you. A few, I'll just name a couple of them. You got the the war on poverty. We've thrown more money at that at that problem than I mean, I'd have to google it, but it, it's an unreal number. I mean, an unreal number, you know, trillions at the war on poverty. And there's more income or more poverty um or more, well, a lot of the effects of poverty, you know, like single mother households, um, you know, you've got a, you have, basically poverty has stayed pretty straight line. Um, Maybe not globally, thankfully, globally poverty is going down, but there was a lot of room for improvement. But, you know, America has it pretty good, and you're going to have a level of inequality no matter what, because, hey, if you're alive, you're not equal, you know, you're dead, you're equal. You're a slave, you're equal. You're a brick on a wall next to another brick on the wall. 
you're equal. You're a sheep, you're equal. But people who live in a free society, living free human beings that have a pulse are not going to be equal. At this very moment, I'm making a decision. I'm making a decision to record this podcast. People are making all kinds of decisions at any given moment of their lives. That's not to say what I'm doing right now is necessarily better than what you're doing right now. Maybe yours is more important. Probably is. But, you know, in many cases, you have there is a spectrum. You have a spectrum of people who are doing less important things and people who are doing more important things. Some things are more beneficial to others in society. Some really have little effect. And people who are rewarded for providing those things to the rest of society. That's why people that create things like iPhones tend to make bank. People that, you know, maybe just push a mop don't quite make such bank because you're targeting such a small little problem on a very tiny little corner of a little bathroom in a little town in, you know, America versus something much bigger than that. And there are people who are very much more ambitious. You're going to have differences. The idea of this whole equality thing is insane. But I'm getting, I'm getting to something here. So, you know, going, going down the line to, f- to finish it up here, um, you know, you've got poor education results. What does that result in? Free college, right? So we have all of these inequalities. Now we need free college. You know, you've got skyrocketing tuition. And now, like, wait, why did that happen? Well, the government got involved. They started guaranteeing money to these schools. Okay, well, what's the government solution now? The government solution is free college. Throw more money at the problem. That's always the government solution. But, you know, the problem is you need to have these problems always ongoing for Democrats. That's why they want these problems to persist. Uh, Gay rights. What did gay rights turn into? It turned into gay privileges because it wasn't enough to just solve the problem of gay people getting married well, that was just one Supreme Court ruling away. Of course, we can't have the outrage machine just, you know, run out of gas there. We need to pour more gas in it. We need to get, you know, uh, we need to be able to get men in the women's rooms. Um, you know, we need to get, uh, teach this in the schools. We need to do all kinds of things. It's not just there. It never is. Not for Democrats, I can tell you that. And it doesn't matter. I'm not just talking I'm not to, to isolate the LGBT or any, any random group. I'm telling you everything, everything Democrats touch requires outrage. Every single thing. And they don't require not just outrage. They require problems that can't ever really be solved. So feminism. There's another one. Women. 2050. Democrats in the year 2050. Democrats will still be telling you there's a wage gap in 2100, in 2150. If the movement is what it is today and even evolves from this, I'm telling you it'll still be there because they do not want you to ever find that point where it's like, okay, it's pretty much the same. I don't know. I mean, I, we still make you know, different decisions. I might want to be a mom still or I can, you know, but generally speaking, everything is pretty, uh, pretty much down the middle there. So I guess we don't need feminism wrong. Feminism needs you. Feminism needs you. Democrats need you. Okay, so you got like open borders, abolish ICE, all that movement. I mean, 
it's always an outrage campaign. It's always, they're getting their way with the border being open, and it's still an outrage campaign. So it doesn't matter even if they're getting their way. It's going to go, for Democrats, it needs to continue to be an outrage at all times. Um, trying to think of another one here. I mean, income inequality, I hit on that. Um, yeah, so, okay, oh, everyone's going to die. So, like, every, like, thing that a, uh, you know, a conservative politician, you know, proposes uh, or even puts into effect, such as the tax cuts. We did that, right? That's already passed. Uh, everybody's going to die. Everybody's going to die. You're dead. In fact, how are you listening to this right now? Because you're dead. According to Democrats, you were going to die. Uh, Obamacare repeal. They didn't really repeal Obamacare, but they did, you know, cut out the mandate. So um, I, I don't know how you would know that or how I would know that because we should have died. Um, the SCOTUS, the, the Supreme Court pick, you know, when Gorsuch got, um, you know, uh, selected and, and confirmed, um, I was told again we were going to die. So, I mean, between, I mean, what are we like, all just a bunch of cats? a bunch of felines out here just agile enough to to avoid death you know eight eight times nine times what is nine times yeah we've we've managed to avoid death all of us cats so you know the the tactic that the democrats use also requires its followers to view their political opponents not just as a different set of ideas but as mortal evil evil enemies guilty and the source of all of these injustices many of which were manufactured fertilized and even exacerbated by the left so they they basically gin up all this outrage say this is this is all all these horrible things we got to fix them we got to fix them we got to fix them gosh this is the worst this is the worst and then they blame they blame conservatives and then when those things start getting fixed they keep finding more examples because it's what's the easiest thing in the world to do right now with you know in the era of smartphones and the internet is to find one example of anything or a few examples of anything and you can make any claim i mean you can make almost any claim and you're going to have a percentage of people that will follow you it's ins- it's it's ridiculous but anyway that's the cycle of leftism Um, And it all stems back, I mean, not all of it, this isn't the only source of it, but I just want to throw it out there. Saul Alinsky's Rules for Radicals, a book, a radical dude, wrote a book literally with the word radical in it. Um, It's been used as a playbook by the left for a long time. President Obama included. So I just want to go into this book. This is their tactics. This is the tactics. These are the tactics of the modern left. Just a few themes. I'm not even going down in a, uh, any particular order, but some themes from that book that you'll see lefties use day in, day out. One, they'll find a common enemy, then defeat them. So when you hear people rallying around to like basically say, Roseanne's got to go, what happens like five seconds later? Roseanne's gone, okay? Because they made a common enemy and they defeated the enemy. 
Okay. Uh, two, make the enemy play by their own book of rules. Whatever, you know, when I say book of rules, I'm talking about like morality, the Bible, civility, you know, those kind of rules. Whatever their rules are, make them play by that book. You do not let them get outside of their playbook. But as for me, you know, the liberal, the lefty, the Democrat, oh, I bend my rules. I don't have a set of rules. I'm progressive. My rules change, right? So it's a very convenient thing that I get to just play by a different set of rules. I mean, in a boxing match, you get to play by the rules of, you know, you have to wear your eight-ounce gloves, you can't hit below the belt, and um, I have, um, you know, razor blades in my gloves, and uh, also, I'm going to be hitting you below the belt. And I also have a gun. Well, okay, that's not exactly fair, is it? Well, that's the Rules for Radicals playbook. Uh, next up, um, oh, on that note, a, another perfect example is Mike Pence, Vice President Pence. If you, may, if you don't recall, uh, he has a rule where he does not allow himself to get all, you know, alone with some other random woman that isn't his wife. So whether it's like having drinks or dinner or whatever, he doesn't do that behind closed doors out of respect for his wife. Almost all of the lefties gave him a ton of crap about this. And then the Me Too movement came around because they have a different set of rules. I mean, like... Mike Pence isn't allowed to just treat his wife wife with respect by not being alone with other women. And they said it's because he doesn't trust himself. Well, so be it. Maybe he has, you know, at least understands that, uh, you know, he is humble enough to, to understand that he is poss- he could possibly sin and he wants to, out of respect, uh, be there for his wife and not alone with some other random woman. Well, that's that's what we're talking about by different rules lefties play by different rules number three this i mean come on this is like this rule that i'm about to say is what you'll see every day you turn around the news but it's not just targeted at at president trump it'll be targeted at anyone associated with him or really anyone who's conservative or republican or you know libertarian or whatever or non-lefty at this point um throughout probably the past like 20 years i mean you saw this all the time but Rule uh, three, again, not in any particular order, um, ridicule people, meaning find the person you don't like, ridicule them, you know, just really, really tear into them. Uh, Next up is maintain constant pressure. So ridicule, constant pressure, ridicule, constant pressure. Um, Never let up. I mean, you're basically keep going until you can get the person to either concede, admit, uh, apologize. That's always a popular one is get the person to apologize. And then you know they they admitted to doing wrong so you can like quadruple down and lay down the hammer. Um, but next up, pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. This is straight out of the rules for radicals. Again, I'll repeat that. Pick the target, freeze it, personalize it, and polarize it. So that is a way, you see that all the time with these social justice types. 
that go out there and find their target, maybe not even someone who did anything horrendously wrong, but just someone they don't like, they freeze the target, meaning they isolate it. They isolate that target. They don't give them any wiggle room because they put the spotlight right on them. Think of like you're breaking out of prison and the spotlight hits you. You hear that, you know, you know they got the the, the, the uh, rifles aimed right at you. You got the red dot on your chest. The spotlight's there. They caught you. They got you. You're frozen. Then they personalize it, meaning like they make it about you individually. This is the only time lefties and individ- and Democrats really care too much about the individual. Most of it's just collective nonsense, hive mentality, sheep, you know, just insert my opinion in my head. Uh, please, please, I'm a lefty. Please insert it. Uh, I didn't go in for my shot. Could you inject the uh, my, every opinion I need to ever have in my left arm, please? Uh, just, you know, my my tetanus shot and also all of my opinions that I ever need to have on politics. Please, just right in my left arm there. Um, okay, so, and then polarize it. So basically you make it so, you know, unpopular to even associate with that person. Think of, uh, you know, like how Weinstein is right now, Harvey Weinstein. But, like, lefties do that all the time to any conservative. So, like, the Papa John's guy who just got in trouble for literally, he was saying, he said the N-word. But how how did he say the N-word? He said the N-word that in a meeting he said, this person said, and then he said the N-word, and he says, and I, I disagree with, with that, essentially. Like, basically, he quoted it through third party, like condemning that person. And that alone, even just mentioning it, was enough to get him basically can't. So what I'm saying is you're going to polarize that person now and make it so that no one can ever touch him. You know, he's going to have his bags packed, his boxes from his office are going to be on the curb, and nobody is going to ever talk to him again if they ever want to have any, any credibility politically while talking to lefties because they will use it again they will make you the next target um so does anyone care to guess which recent politician loved these uh radical agitation tactics if you guessed obama ding 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 you just won a bajillion dollars of monopoly money he received and I, by he, I mean Obama, he received a comprehensive education in Alinsky tactics while working in Chicago as a communications uh, organizer, a community organizer, I should say, not communications, sorry. We all know Obama was a community organizer. While he was there, he was getting an education in this stuff. He even referred to it as the best education he ever had. So Obama loves these tactics, right? These same ones I'm talking about. Mike Kruglick, a disciple of Alinsky, taught Obama. He called him a natural, undisputed master of agitation. What a what a compliment! You know, you've got like a a, a commie, a, a communist loving agitator, rules for radicals. You know, disciple of Alinsky who's calling you a natural, undisputed master for agitation as you're studying at this commie school. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so then you got Kruglick. He he studied at, when I say commie school, he studied at the Industrial Areas Foundation, 
a school founded by Alinsky. So Alinsky, super radical. It's very easy to look up. Founded this school. Kruglick, disciple of him, studied at the school, taught Obama. Obama then took a national training from the IAF, the Industrial Areas Foundation, and then taught it in seminars and workshops in Chicago. I mean, this is this is the president we just had for the last eight years, and we wonder why we have a, 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 a rift in our country and why Trump got elected. You took the guy who was, like, obsessed with rules for radicals and made him president. I don't care what his skin color is. That's insane. Like, it, it shouldn't be a surprise that we have such a divide at this point. I mean, you've got Alinsky. Here's a quote from Alinsky. He says, Now it's up to us to go in and rub raw the sores of discontent, galvanize them for radical social change. Some key words there. Radical social change. Okay, so like, again, that those three words tell you all you need to know about the last eight years. They were tempting radical social change. And, and Obama mentioned transforming America, you know, fundamentally. Um, but also another in this quote says, rub raw the sores of discontent. Meaning they've healed. You don't rub something raw that's already a, a wound. You rub a healed wound in order to rub it raw. And that's the problem we faced. Obama rubbed raw the wounds of America. Why is why are racial tensions worse right now than they were in 2000, 2001, 2, 3, whatever? Even, I don't know, 91. Pick a year that's in the last 25, 30 years. It's, racial tensions are worse. Because President Obama was becoming a subject matter expert of Saul Alinsky's rules for radicals and how to rub raw healed wounds of America. On that note, I just want to say, please, everybody, even if you're a lefty, if you've listened this far, I'm sure you're not too far to the left, uh, just throttle it in, man. Like, everybody, ladies and gentlemen, like, we can all get along. I promise you. We are not in a war. We are just having a political disagreement. We're having, it's a game. And we're going to get along. Just, Lord, save us from zealots. Just get us away from the fringes. Get us away from the, the neo-Nazi types, the, the communist, socialist types. Get us away from all the fringe crap and come right back to, like, somewhere toward the middle. And I'm sure we can kind of work things out. On that note, this is the Freedom Warrior Podcast. My name is Derek. I hope you all have a wonderful day.